Katie, I didn't hear. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Great, thanks. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy G, and I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 92, reading the first paragraph, if you are satisfied he is a real alcoholic, reading one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you to Team Tuesday, Crystal P., Barbara P., Kathy S., Dave M., Marge E., our newcomer greeter, Lauren N., and our host for the second unrecorded hour, Penny C. The reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, December, December, sorry, Monday, October 18th, the 7 a.m. is 17,936. That's 17936. For the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, is 17,937. That's 17937 for yesterday, Monday, October 18th. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Dave M. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Dave. Dave, press star one to unmute. Hear me now? Yep, I can hear you now. I don't know why it does that. Okay. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of characters. Hum- Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made a 
may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to our improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Dave. I will now ask for Marge E. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Marge. Thank you so much, Amy. This is Marge E. from Massachusetts, compulsive overeater uh, recovered but not cured. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, March. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today, we resume our study in the big book. We are on page 92, the first paragraph, and I'm going to ask Crystal P. to get us started. Go ahead, Crystal. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. If you are satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Don't at this stage refer to this book unless he has already seen it and wishes to discuss it. And be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. If he sticks to the idea that he can still control his drinking, tell him that possibly he can, if he is not too alcoholic. But insist that if he is severely afflicted, there may be little chance he can recover by himself. Um, when I was reading this paragraph, it, it reminded me of um, sort of the time when I, uh, as I started, started to become a sponsor for the first time, and my focus was so much on fixing the sponsee, you know, trying to get the sponsee to do what I thought the sponsee should do. And a fellow of mine suggested something that was really helpful to me. She had me to read this chapter from start to finish and circle every time the word if came up in a paragraph. And there are so many ifs throughout this entire chapter. And what it showed me is that everything I do as a sponsor or even as a fellow is in response to the person that I'm that I'm seeking to help. It's really it's in their hands and in God's hands. Their recovery is not up to me. It is it's up to them and up to God. All I'm there to do is observe where they are at and ask God to show me what how I can be helpful to them the way he wants me to be helpful to them in that moment. How can I respond to where they are at at that time? Um and I've really benefited from this just from having fellows and sponsors who have never crusaded for my own recovery, they have left my recovery up to me and God for me to choose if I want it. You know, they, and the three ways I see in this paragraph that it tells me to do this is, first of all, that I only share my own experience. I don't, I don't theorize. I don't, you know, pontificate. I don't have lofty principles or, or you know, um, rules that I share. I just tell them what worked for me. And, you know, fellows have done that with me. They just tell me what what happened with them so I can either relate or not. They don't tell me, um, you know, specific things to do, but they uh, they ask me questions and they let me draw my own conclusions. But they are honest with me about what they have learned from their own recovery. Um, they don't shy away from saying things that are difficult for me to hear if that's what they've learned in their own recovery. And by doing those things, they, they place the spiritual tools that they have gained at my feet and then it's entirely up to me to pick them up because the truth is in order to work this program I have to be completely convinced on my own that I have no other solution and that this is the one I want to use this solution because the truth is I am so proud and so stubborn that I would rather die of my own solution than than use your solution if you forced it on me you know that that's just how uh, prideful I am and I'm really grateful that the fellows in my life have not um, tried to teach me a lesson or, you know, tried to fix that in me, but have just tried to be helpful um, by by just offering the solution to me and then giving me the choice to pick it up or not. Because in order to work this program the way that it needs to be worked, I have to make that choice for myself. And I cannot deprive a sponsee or any other fellow that I'm working with of making that same choice. Because there are days when the program 
you know, um, ask me to do things that I, I don't want to do and that are very hard for me to do. And the only reason I'm willing to do it is because I've made, I've come to the realization for myself that I have a hopeless malady and this is the only solution that works for me. Thanks for letting me share our talk. Thank you so much, Crystal P, for getting us started. Okay, I'd like to take some names and numbers, uh, names and um but before we do, if you could please remember that if you've shared your experience, strength, and hope in the last three days, to please allow others to share their experience, strength, and hope, I would greatly appreciate it. Who would like to share? Katie Donna J. Lynch from Boston. Katie G. Okay, hold on, everybody. <clears throat> All I got was Katie G. Can we try that again? Who else did I miss? Donna S. Nessa. Nessa R. Uh, Rachel K. Larry K. Nancy P. Donna S. Donna S. Okay, I've got Katie G, Donna S, Charles H, Rachel K, Larry K, Nancy P. Donna, I got Donna S. Okay, who did I miss? Was it Lassa? Who who else? Who would I miss? Somebody I missed. No one? Okay. Was there anyone else? Yes, Nessa R. Nessa. Okay. That's what I was missing. Sorry about that. Okay. Anybody else? All right. Awesome lineup. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for your patience. Katie G, Donna F, Charles H, Rachel K, Larry K, Nancy P, and Nessa R. Katie G, you are up. Please go ahead. Hi, Amy. It's Katie. Thanks for taking the meeting. Katie G, compulsive eater, recovered by God's grace and love. You know, when I came in to Overeaters Anonymous, I was really confused, right? I thought that to be severely afflicted with compulsive eating, that that meant I was 400 pounds or 200 pounds or 90 pounds. And I'm here to say that even if you are within your normal body range, you could be severely afflicted, and it is not my job to brand you as a compulsive eater because the symptoms of overweight and obesity do not mean that I am a compulsive eater. All they mean is that I have bad symptoms, and this whole world is not suffering from compulsive eating, and otherwise they'd all be in the rooms. Right, so I think it's so important for me to learn. Like, I didn't know what a compulsive eater was. And I have to tell you, in the time that I've been in Overeaters Anonymous, I have become a compulsive eater. I have become crushed by the fact that lack of power is my dilemma, that the main problem is in my mind. Um, I can't fight my own disease. And I'm not here to fight yours. You know, when I talk to other people and I outline a program of action that I have been taught, that I follow, if you don't want to do it, awesome. You may not be me. And I think what can be so cunning and baffling, well, I'll just say, what's so helpful for me to remember is that there are moderate eaters and there are hard eaters. And they're in the room and they can have a seat and they don't have to go the lengths I have to go to every day to stay entirely abstinent and to work the 12 steps. 
you know, there are people on this line, and I love it, that don't need a sponsor after 12 that say, I'm done with the steps. Buddy, I've gotten sicker in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. Like, I have, I have this malady, right, that I, my severe affliction is this bondage to self, this obsession with myself with my feelings, with how you're treating me, it has nothing to do with my body weight. And if I'm obsessing about my body weight and all of that stuff, it's because that deeper feeling of being a little girl, of not fitting in my skin and feeling like I'm someone else and I should be doing something else with other people at some other time, that hopeless feature of my malady, that is up. And in order to stay recovered, I have to stay committed to the work. I have to stay committed to entire absence and getting to God. This book is not God. This book gets me to God. And I am so grateful to know that I have a severe affliction, and it ain't my job to diagnose you. But take your seat and figure it out. Thank you so much, Katie G. Perfect timing. All right, Donna S. followed by Charles H. Go ahead, Donna. Donna? Am I still there? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I Hello? can hear you, Donna. Yes, go Hi. ahead, Donna. Hi, I'm Donna S. in recovery. I was reading this paragraph, and um, I, well, you know, I was thinking about uh, the real alcoholic and beginning to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Well, I have a whole family um, in recovery, and I had um, started, I was the first one to start another program, and um, passing the message on to others, that was never, ever my um, thing, but I, thing, because I knew that I could not uh, control anybody else's recovery. I knew that after being in the rooms for a while. And um, slowly, my whole family, over a long period of time and a lot of heartaches and all kinds of stuff happened. But um, I was the first one in. And then um, I had a brother-in-law. He was the second one that um, came into recovery in another program, but still into recovery. And then I had um, a son that had a severe accident when he was 21. 35 now took him a few years but he started to get into recovery this is how the um the disease how it worked and i had nothing to do with it then i had another son he came into recovery and i'm talking about everybody was hardcore very bad very bad and um then i was divorced from my husband for 16 years and we're back together. He's in recovery now. So I have a whole family of recovery, and it just started by one person. And honestly, I don't know when anybody goes to a meeting. I don't know anything about their recovery. We don't. We barely talk about it, but we, we do our best to live a recovered life. And about um, food addiction or um, food, I, I don't – I can't say – about their eating habits, but they might be in different programs. 
but we all work that spiritual and God program. And if, you know, it's just, I sometimes think that just by our actions and just what we do or how we change um, is how we pass the message on to others. And I'm so grateful to have a family in recovery. And is it perfect? No, no. My son that had the car accident, he's disabled now. He has seizures all the time. He can't work. He's on disability. He lives in a Section 8 house, but he's married and he's happy. You know, is that what we planned? No. But he goes to a meeting every day. I know that much. He texts me sometimes. Not that I know what they do, but if they tell me, I know what they do. And um, I'm just a great, I'm so grateful for these steps and um, that God led me to this program. Thank you. Thank you so much, Donna. All right, Charles H., you're up, followed by Rachel K. Thank you very much. And I won't say that, I won't ask that popular question on this if you can you hear me because I know I'm unmuted. Charles H., I'm a recovered composable. <laughs> we got a glum lot, man. I'm not coming in here stone faced today. I'm not coming in here, <laughs> Please don't. you know, trying to, yeah. You can hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. I can. That on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy today. I am happy. And and, and um, there's 58 ifs in here, and I dare you, if you can, to prove me wrong in Chapter 7. Just another joke. You know, these three ifs are very important. I want to uh, drill down. If he sticks to the idea that he can still control his drinking, tell him that possibly he can if he is not too alcoholic. And the first if, if you are satisfied that he's a real alcoholic, be- begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. You know, don't tell me what to do. Show me what you did. You know, I, I, um, I compelled some sponsees yesterday. Matter of fact, I pissed them off. And, and, I was, I, and, and they resented me, and I had some resentment towards them, but we did 10 steps with each other. It was so real. But you know what? Like, my spiritual leader pisses me off in such a beautiful, calm voice. And, and you know what? If you can't disturb me, then I don't need you to talk to me straight up. Like, you know what? Like I, 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 I work these steps like my hair's on fire because my life depends on it. You know, I, I was, I, I went to North Carolina this weekend to help a friend out that wanted to kill herself. His house was full of things. He don't mind me talking about it. And um, I used to sponsor him. We went to conventions together, but what I did was, you know, he, you know, he's so smart that he's too smart for this disease. He knows what he is, but you know what? I compel him with my actions. I was on a Zoom convention all weekend, and he was listening and bobbing his head up and down like a, a bob, you know, you know, one of them bob toys. He knows, and I love the word if because it's a physical, mental, and spiritual condition, and I love that they have the word condition in this paragraph. Like, I didn't take this thing serious even though I knew I was an alcoholic slash compulsive overeater. And, um, yeah, i got to compel people based on the instructions in this book. And I don't got to be mad at it. I'm happy today. I'm happy, joyous, and free, page 133. That's what, that's what the first 100 or really the first 87 would want us to be, happy, joyous, and free. And you know what? I'm, you know, some people left. Some people stayed. Some people got convicted. Some people said, F this guy. I don't care. I'm happy about it because I, I could cut, cut across the field instead of, like, 
you know, trying to save you. And, you know, I'm trying to save me. That's why I'm trying to carry the message. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Amy G. I love your laugh. I love your beautiful face and your beautiful spirit and your beautiful mind, body, and soul. So have a great day. Thank you, Charles. Awesome. Okay. Rachel K. You're up. Follow Hi. Larry K. Thanks. Hi, this is Rachel Kay. You're going to make me follow Charles. Um, anyway, thanks, Charles. Thanks, everybody who shared who shared on this meeting. And, um, and, and Crystal, I love the thing about pointing out all the, all the ifs. Um, that's so great, you know. Um, yeah, so I, ha- I, I came to Vision about three years ago, and it, you know, I had been recovered and in this program for about 20, well, about 17 years at that point. And, but this, these meetings just revitalized, these healthy OA meetings revitalized my program. But I have a sponsee um, who I started sponsoring before I came here. And I can't get him to listen to the vision meetings every morning. He says, those people are too preachy. And, you know, and I get defensive. And, um, but I have to watch myself and look, okay, am I, Am I being an effective carrier of the message? It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what I think. It matters how I am carrying the message. And all I can, all I can do, I am more effective when I share from my experience, strength, and hope what worked for me. Okay, this is what worked for me. This is because that's why I'm uniquely qualified to help the other still suffering compulsive overeater. That's what makes me uniquely qualified. It's not because I have a degree in it or because God has deigned me like his special servant. It's because I've been there. I've been there. And by God's grace, um, he lifted me out of the pit of hell. Um, And it was nothing that I did or earned. I just had to follow a few simple steps and find him um, because he was always there. Um, So I had to do the footwork, but it was, it was God's grace. So, but, but I can't say, you know, if you don't do this, it's unless I say, you know what, if, if I hadn't done such and such, I would not have gotten better. I don't know what's going to work for you. I can see a lot of similarities between our cases, and this is what worked for me, but, but you have to follow your own path. Um, all I can share is what worked for me. Um, and what I honestly see in another compulsive overeater, but, but anybody else is welcome to try their own path. And if that works for them, more power to you. Um, you know, and I can, I can honestly say, look, I, I don't see that, you know, I, I don't see that happening. It didn't happen in my life that way. This is how it worked for me. But, um, but all I can share is what worked for me. And it worked for me. You know, it really did. After all else failed, finding a power greater than myself that could solve my problem, that worked for me. Living um, by the principles of this program and, and living as I believe my God intended me to, with integrity, um, with honesty, with faith, and living outside of myself, getting rid of that bondage of self. So anyway, thanks so much, and I pass. Thank you so much, Rachel. Okie doke. 
Larry K. followed by Nancy P. Go ahead, Larry. Hey, Amy. Good morning. Larry K., uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. It says to begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, uh, you, you'd think that they would focus on the, uh, the ponies and the, the rainbows and all, all the good stuff here. So what, what, why are we focusing on the hopeless feature of the malady here? You know, we're going to learn in a few pages that the more hopeless an alcoholic feels, the better. You know, because because she's going to be more likely to follow these suggestions, the more hopeless she feels. She has to be out of ideas. You know, if you go to a doctor, if you have cancer, God forbid, right, and you go to a doctor, you know, that doctor, she doesn't have to convince you to motivate you, to persuade you to take the treatment. It might involve some tough stuff, chemo, radiation. There's no, there's no really having to to, you know, show you pictures of, you know, develop, you know, you believe for some reason here, we cannot, people do not want the prescription. You know, they don't want the treatment. In the big book, it's going to talk again and again on page 44 in the chapter, We Agnostics, we're informed that alcoholism is an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. The word hopeless or some variety of hopeless, hopeless, Hopelessness, hopeless, um, appears in the big book probably 20 to 30 times. You know, it's a, we see it again and again. We see it from, from the doctor's opinion on. In the doctor's opinion, in late 1934, Dr. Silkworth says, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman with good earning capacity, Bill, he was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. Bill talks about in his story, I had to be. Ebby approaches him, you know, says, do you want this thing? I, I had to be, for I was hopeless. You know, so again and again, you're going to see this word. And, you know, the thing about it is, is hopelessness and despair both stem from a spiritual depletion. In other words, being out of touch or disconnected from my spiritual guide leads to spiritual depletion. I need, I have to be out of ideas. I have to be completely depleted of any thought before I am going to pick up this spiritual toolkit that's laid at my feet. And so that's why we dwell on the, the hopeless feature of the mental condition. With that, I pass. Thanks, Amy. Thanks so much, Larry. Okay, Nancy P. followed by Nessa R. Hi, good morning. This is Nancy P. in West Newton, Massachusetts. Um, thank you for letting me share. Uh, you know, I don't care if someone's a real alcoholic. I have one message because I have one life. And, you know, it's a pro program of attraction, not promotion. And especially these days on Zoom, I don't, I can't approach someone at a meeting that looks like they might need help. I, you know, I can call newcomers, which I do um, every day, but... Um, you know, I don't know, I can't see them, I can't, you know, close the deal. And, you know, before I recovered, I've been in this program for a very long time, and before I recovered, it was like I was a snake oil salesman. I was trying to close the deal for myself by selling it to other people, and I didn't even think it would work because, you know, I was proof that it didn't work. Then when I did recover, Something amazing happened, you know, before I recovered, you know, before and after, before and after, but before I recovered, I'd try to recover, 
you know, and I'd get um, the meanest sponsor I could, the one that was like, you know, made me practically quit my job and go to all these horrible meetings that I couldn't stand and, you know, drive 100 miles, you know, to go to a sub meeting, excuse me, and, you know, all of that never worked, you know, and then after I recovered, suddenly I wasn't, um, I wasn't interested in whether or not they recovered. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't trying to close the deal. I was like, you know, here's what, here's what I did. And I, as, as a sponsor, I say similar, you know, this is what I did. You can make your own decision. I'm not vested in your recovery. You're vested in your recovery. And, um, you know, it says in the beginning of the book, we shall tell you what we have done, not what you have to do, just what worked for us. And, you know, that whole mindset freed me to just carry the message with no goal in mind. It's literally just putting it out there. And, you know, the most I'll ever say is, you know, someone will say, I did this or that or whatever, and I don't want to do this. And, and I'll say, how, how did that work out for you? And, um, you know, and then I'll finish my own thought and say, probably not too well, because here you are talking to me. So, you know, I don't, I'm not vested in whether or not people take my, I don't know, I don't like to call it advice, but if they're interested in what I have to say, because I'm interested in what I have to say, because what I have to say is really in the end for me to get better and um, to, or for me to stay better. And, um, you know, I think it's pretty effective because, you know, a lot of people call me and, and want to talk to me. And, you know, it's so much better than trying to close the deal, trying to sell snake oil that I don't believe in. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm free. I'm free. And where did it start? Everybody say it with me. Surrender, surrender, surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Surrender, surrender. Oh, sorry. Okay. Nessa R., you're up, and then we'll take some more names. Go ahead, Nessa. Thank you. Hi. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And, um, what spoke to me this morning is um, the normal functioning of willpower. Because when I came here into these rooms, I thought I had no willpower. I have tried diets that work for other people, but didn't work for me. I had gone to gym and exercise classes that worked for other people, but not for me. I had gone to nutritionists that were recommended by other people but didn't work for me and on and on and on and on. And so I came to the conclusion there must be something majorly wrong with my willpower. And I learned in recovery that I was applying the wrong solution to my problem. You know, my problem was, and still is, a a, a problem of powerlessness. I had a power greater than myself in my life, the food, that was like beating me, um, beating me to a pulp. And I needed a power greater than myself and a power greater than the food to address this problem. And so I was trying to solve um, a spiritual problem with a willpower solution, which didn't work at all. You know, it's kind of like saying, you know, like my dishwasher is not working because when I put in my laundry, my laundry doesn't come, come out clean. Well, duh, you know, uh, my dishwasher washes dishes, not laundry. And, you know, and I realized that I, I do have a lot of willpower because I had applied willpower in so many other areas of my life, you know, 
um, in my schooling years, in my work, um, in projects that I undertook, in, in, in other areas of my life, my willpower was alive and well. It just didn't work for my food problem because it was the wrong solution. Um, we were like the proverbial trying to put the round peg into a square hole, and it just didn't work. Um, you know, so we, we malign in these rooms uh, willpower, um, but there's nothing wrong with willpower. The problem, that, the problem there is we were using it for the wrong thing. And now that I am um, recovered, that I recovered um, through, um, by the grace of God, through the working of the 12 steps, in 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 uh, in entire abstinence, you know, uh, I'm using the the right solution for for my problem, and I still use my willpower for other things. You know, there are other things in which, um, you know, the spiritual solution doesn't help. I have to make sure that I have a clear distinction, and thank God that that I do. Um, and uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa. Okay, well, we now have time to take some more shares. Again, we are on page 92, the first paragraph. Who else would like to share on what was read? Loretta H. Linda D. Deborah B. Linda D. Daisha B. Deborah V. Daisha B. Jen A. Was it Deborah? Jen, I got you. Deborah, yeah. Deborah V as in vision. Liz E U K. Liz E. Okay, we're going to stop right there. I've got Loretta H, Linda D, Naisha B, Deborah V, Jen A, Liz E. All right, Loretta H, please go ahead. Loretta H, star one, please. Yes, can you hear me? Oh, I hear you. Yes, I can now. Thank you, Amy. And I do love the humor, and we're not a glove lot. Loretta H., I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, recovered with God's grace and mercy today. I like um, if they're afflicted, uh, uh, the alcoholic cannot rely on himself. And this makes me think of, um, you know, when I first came into the rooms, I thought I had to actually make the other person recover. But as I've learned over the 20 years that I've been in at that, I was a flight attendant. And I can't teach people how to breathe or to walk. But I'm an example. And I always think of bringing that oxygen mask down. I will tell you how to do it and how to save your life. Not that I, you know, I've saved my life. But I actually, you know, we're hopeless, but we're not helpless. And that's where I get and was very, very um, an understanding of sponsorship. And today, as other people have shared this morning, that is not my job. But the only job I have is to carry this message. And as other people have shared, it's a program of attraction. And I do have to promote, as the special edition said, after I get the sponsee um, under my wing a little bit, but I cannot make or or break her um, recovery. It's, it's God's job. And so that oxygen mask, um, I need to put it on every day, especially for myself, because I need to breathe. Because I can't 
Nobody can breathe for me, except for God. He probably could, but nobody else can. So that's why the person has to have his own path, do his own work. I am just a guide and a light, and hopefully that light will transcend on them. And um, I'm just so grateful for this program and for the sponsor who got me here. And today, I think she's got 49 years in program. And mm-hmm. I, you know, amazing grace. So with that, I pass. Thank you very much, everybody, for saving my life. And have a blessed and beautiful day. Put your own oxygen mask on. Thank you, Loretta. Okay, Linda D. followed by Naisha. Go ahead, Linda. Hi, Amy. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. in Connecticut. I'm laughing. That was funny, Loretta. Put on your oxygen mask. Mm-hmm. Um, all that I have is what I am, and what I am is a human being, learning how to be a human being, not a perfected, saintly spirit. My spirit is already perfected. That's the whole point. I have a disease. I wake up, I know I have this disease. What you know or don't know, that's your responsibility. My responsibility is to know what I have. I have a disease and after many years of total ignorance and confusion, and um, I think Crystal said pride, and I would also add shame, it choked me, I have a solution. I know that I am a soul on a journey. And for somebody who was an atheist, that's incredible. But I did what I do now. I do the steps. I live the steps minute by minute. That's what counts. And it brings me a beautiful recovery, no matter what the problems are. I am so thrilled and grateful to have a relationship with God, not to be ashamed to say that word or that it will offend somebody too bad. It's a fact. There is one. It doesn't originate in me, but it sure as heck is within me and it guides me. And I am so grateful. And for all of you who helped me grow and I pass. Thank you so much, Linda. Okay, Naisha, followed by Deborah V. Go ahead, Naisha. Naisha, star one to unmute, please. Naisha Can you hear B. me? All right, there you are. Great. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for allowing me to be of service. So in this paragraph, Um, I see what speaks to me is that I can't control the recovery of, um, of proteges and my sponsees. So um, all I can offer is my personal experience with this disease and how I um, am on the road to recovery. And all I could do is go through the steps with them and show them how to recover, how to share in meetings, and how to carry the message themselves. So by doing that, I carry my own message and I save my own life. And um, from my experience with um, trying diets and 
loathing at the size of my body and the mental twist that comes with trying to figure out and outsmart this disease. I um, bring that experience to another compulsive overeater that shares my malady. And um, in that, they can see themselves and hopefully find the solution in this program as I did. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you. Deborah V. Hi, this Go is ahead, Deborah. Deborah. Thank you. Hope I can be heard. This is Deborah V yep. from New Jersey from New Jersey. Thank you, Amy, and thank you everybody for sharing this morning. It was very helpful to me. Um, I feel like this paragraph spoke to me because I spent all of my effort, both outside and inside these rooms, working on my weight. That was what I thought it was all about. And I put so much effort and energy into that, that of course I fell on my face more times than I could count because I needed to spend that effort and grace seeking grace. And um, that was a big shift for me. Uh, And, you know, I, um, I, you know, I did, and I'm not, you know, I say this because I'm sure there are others, but I came here sort of, you know, thinking I was working the steps, but I was really working a diet in the rooms. And um, I had to be um, beaten, really. Uh, my disease really had to beat me, and it really progressed. And it progressed um, as I sat here sometimes. And, um, you know, it's interesting that, um, I, I mean, I really know that there's no other solution that for me, God is my solution, and I fight it so much sometimes. And um, I'm facing a real challenge in my own life. I was um, diagnosed with a brain tumor, and as a result of this brain tumor, I've lost my hearing in my left ear, and um, it's one of the many things that are that are happening to me right now. And so, what um, what's so interesting is that although I'm you know you know physically have lost hearing in my left ear I hear more of God's grace and God's words and you know the path that I'm supposed to follow more than ever and um, I know that um, you know I that this is the most important thing in my life staying abstinent staying sober from food because if I'm not then I cannot follow this journey that I'm on right now and have the strength to get through it. And I can't get through it without all of you. And, you know, for a long time, I fought that too. <laughs> I don't always want to talk to people, but it's important that I do. So I just wanted to thank all of you for being here this morning and um, keeping me in your prayers. And I need you. And I, and I hope that um, I helped a newcomer today as well. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Deborah. Please know you have a fellowship that's Sends love and support and prayers your way. You are surrounded by it. Okay, Jen A, followed by Liz E. Go ahead, Jen. Hey, Amy, good morning. Thanks so much for uh, serving today. My name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And um, gosh, I love being on this meeting with everybody in the morning. You guys just lift me up and, and get me going in the right way. And and I need to read this. Um, I need to read this. Uh, this page is amazing. Tell him, give him, show him. We suggest, Jennifer, um, that you share from your own experience. 
that's all that's, that's going to possibly help another person in their discovery phase, right? If I'm not trying to convince another person that they're a compulsive overeater or that they have this malady, which becomes fatal in the next paragraph, right? Then, you know, what's my job? Um, my job is just to share, share my experience, strength, hope, experience, strength, hope, and nothing more, nothing less. Um, you know, I, I, I'll just go back to when I was in this, uh, in this place. And when I came into these rooms and the man um, who sat across from me in, in the meeting um, talked about himself, he showed me with his demeanor and how he presented himself. Um, you know, I heard people say on the meeting this morning, it's attraction, not promotion. Um, but guess what I did? I drew my own conclusions about this program and about my own disease. Nobody can convince me. It's a self-diagnosis. And when I sit in the seat of membership and I have a desire to hopefully stop eating, my desire was I didn't want to, you know, get fat and gain weight anymore, you know, um, sitting there scrawny and underweight and anorexic in the room, you know, but the reality was is when I was convinced, I was convinced. And when I was ready, I was ready to listen and I was ready to take action. And nobody, nobody can tell me or brand me or, or say this is who you are, especially because there was no one like me in the room. There was nobody sitting there, sick, skinny, dying. You know, I mean, everybody thought I was recovered, and I wasn't. I was dying inside because I was starving myself in Overeaters Anonymous. So, um, you know, I, I, another thing that I love about this, too, is, and, and I take sponsees through it, and they laugh at me. I go, there's this thing called the OA website. I want you to go and I want you to answer 15 questions and see if you're really a compulsive overeater. Because I'm telling you, there's many people on this line that I've worked with who don't even need to be here. And one lady said, thank you so much for sending me to that quiz. She's not even a compulsive overeater. I think so many times we think because somebody showed up and sat down in a seat of membership, they're one of us. That's not true either. So I have to be really careful that I'm not you know, that I'm listening. That's what I hear in this chapter too. Jennifer, listen, listen, listen. Don't just tell somebody what they are. Listen and let them discover. Help them discover by sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, hopefully by doing that, I'm helping somebody the way my sponsor helped me. Um, but there's little chance I can recover by myself. And that's the thinking truth. And with that, I'll pass. All right. Perfect timing. Thank you so much, Jen A. Okay. Liz E. Please go ahead. It's your turn. Good morning. Good afternoon. Liz E. for Elegant from the UK, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you to everybody uh, for their shares and everybody on this call. Uh, wow. I've had a few people contact me um, around this, and this paragraph really helps me on how I need to respond to people because of course my urge is to just share and promote and evangelize and just kind of get everybody on board and you know that's one of my character defects I just go completely over the top and get completely lit up and over enthusiastic and over persuasive and over you know so I my character defects really can come in when because of course I I think, you know, in my selfish way, the way I do my life is how anybody else wants to do their life. Um, but guess what? This tells me that it's a 
it's attraction, not promotion. And that is such a good way for me to live my life generally, um, to, um, you know, be quiet and shut up and just behave. Um, and hopefully people will ask me questions about my behaviors. And that has happened to me on a few occasions in the last few months. People, somebody said, oh, um, chatting with you is so much easier than it used to be. And wow, isn't that amazing? But that's the power of the program. And the willpower, I've got that underlined here. That's kind of <clears throat> always the obsession is always going to be stronger than my willpower every day, every single time. And um, show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition show it surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. And that, to me, has been an amazing uh, insight in the last two years for me to really, really understand that this is a mental condition that triggers this mental twist and this obsession. And um, if people ask me, I'm happy to share about that. And just want to encourage any newcomers on the line, please unmute and share. It just and makes all of this so much better. And if you say your truth out loud, it that also seems to work a lot for me. Thanks a million. I'll pass. Bye. Thank you so much, Liz E. For elegance. Okay, we have time for a two-minute share. Who would like to take us out today? Can I, share? Brenda A. Uh, there was someone before you, Brenda. Who was that? Allie. Allie, yep, you got in there first. Please go ahead, Allie, two-minute share. Sorry, Brenda, could we go for the next hour? That would be awesome to have you there. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My, good morning. My name is Allie, and I'm new to this vision. And what I just want to say is <clears throat> I want to thank each and every one of you for your share. Um, I feel like I am dying inside, and you guys gave me hope today. Um, I loved what I heard. I am not responsible for other people's recovery. I'm only responsible to put my own oxygen mask on every day. I also heard that it's important that I attend healthy recovering meetings. And the way that I learned that is by hearing how people are actually living their lives. I also heard today that hopelessness is how I feel because I am depleted mentally, physically, and spiritually. Um, I've been looking for recovery, I believe, in the wrong places. And I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you. I'm going to try to give vision for you a try because I don't want to die anymore. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Allie. Welcome. We are so happy to have you. Awesome. All right. On that note, thank you, everyone who shared. Please join us for another second unrecorded awesome hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Tuesday, October 19, 2021, 7 a.m. meeting is 17,942. That's 17942. 
We will now close the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Barbara P. please read A Vision for You? Good morning, everybody. Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.